Hey there, Belle, coming back, yeah. Jack makes it rain subpoenas. A Fulton County, Georgia judge released three portions of the special grand jury report relating to their criminal investigation into 2020 election conduct. The judge did not release the rest of the report and specifically any portion of the report that mentioned the names of individuals who the special grand jury recommended be indicted for election interference to protect the due process rights of those names. Like the fascist, gaslighting, criminal maniac that he is, Donald Trump then falsely claimed that this somehow exonerated him. In other news regarding lying cowards, Mike Pence is on another self-flagellation tour with Mother, proclaiming he is going to fight the special counsel Jack Smith's subpoena of him into 2020 election interference because Pence believes that he really wasn't the vice president. He was the president of the Senate, so he was a senator. And he has this deep reverence for the speech and debate clause of the United States Constitution. And you see, that prevents him from telling the truth about what happened on January 6th. You see, you see, folks, that's what's going on here. But undeterred, we learned that special counsel Jack Smith subpoenaed Mark Meadows back in January. It's not clear if Mark Meadows is cooperating and the subpoena is cover, or if Mark Meadows will have to show up before the grand jury kicking and screaming like the fascist traitor that he is. President Biden, meanwhile, remains on the offense against MAGA Republicans who want to cut your Social Security and cut your Medicare. President Biden continues his tour across the country discussing his administration's achievements and how he wants to protect your rights and highlighting the radical and disastrous anti-American policies of MAGA Republicans. MAGA Republicans like George Santos, the face of the MAGA Republicans in the House of Representatives, who had to barricade himself in his local district office today as he refused to speak with his constituents from Long Island who want him to resign like the rest of the nation. He hasn't even changed, by the way, the name from the former congressman who occupied that office. That is how incompetent these MAGA Republican is. I mean, here's the thing. Today, Republicans, th- there's no shame at all. Because they're modeled after their cult leader, Donald Trump. Right? There are no depths to their sick, fascist depravity. Right? The lower, more QAnon-esque you go, the more Donald Trump likes you, which is the only currency, apparently, of the deranged MAGA Republican bunch. Speaking of no shame, Nikki Haley announced she was running for the Republican nomination for president, which she will absolutely never win, but nonetheless, the (laughs) MAGA Republican Civil War for 2024 starts to really (coughs) heat up. So buckle up, even if Nikki Haley opposes seatbelt laws, this is the Midas Touch podcast. I love that you guys.
guys don't see the script that I do before, you are authentically <laughs> laughing. I, I love it. I try to make it. I try to go, what would the mighty love, and how do I make Brett and Jordy laugh when I do the intro? No, it's a work of art, Ben, and I got to commend you for it. Throwing in things like self-flagellation just to throw us off before the show starts. But the perfect <laughs> description, the perfect Big description bust. of these mag Ben is whipping himself. Ben just actually got oh, an injury ben, live on ben the show. Himself. Live wow. on the show, Ben just hurt his wrist, everybody. You saw it here. Self-flagellating. That's self-flagellating. I have not self-flagellated in quite some time. <laughs> it's been at least 24 hours, Ben. It's been at least 24 hours uh, since but my it's last like flagellation. These MAGA Republicans can't go more than 60 seconds without self-flagellating it, so it seems. And just day by day, the lies get more and more brazen, more pathetic. And it really makes you put kind of George Santos in a different perspective as like, is he really that different than the rest of them? Or is the entire party just different versions of George Santos mm. being led by the biggest George yeah. Santos of them all? Donald J. Trump. Maybe the J in Donald Trump's mind stands for George. I think we could probably Ooh. assume that for um, or that Trump maybe maybe he thinks that. He doesn't really know what the J stands for. It's, it's the joke there, Jordy. Um, but yeah, no, crazy joke. times, lots of self-flagellation. Jordy, how are you doing? You flagellating or what? <laughs> flagellating left and right these days. <laughs> I saw it right before Jordy flagellated all morning. It was crazy. It was too much flagellation. The show's up to quite the the show's up to quite the start. I need a shower after the show. That's how much I've been flagellating lately. (laughs) Great. Well, how how are you doing otherwise, Jay? No, I'm doing really well. I really like flagellating. It's fantastic. No, I'm doing. I'm excited. (laughs) I'm excited for today's show. I just want to let our audience know too. So, when people leave comments in the in the YouTube chat right now, and then also the YouTube comments after the show. That's really me responding because I have a picture that doesn't have my photo that I use on my on my on my phone, and then I have a one that I use on the computer. And so I've noticed some people responding that, "Hey, this is a fake Jordan. I'm gonna okay, block you." Okay, because you know what? Okay, me. but let me let me know why. Also, let me let me tell everybody why. why. And this is a warning to all the Midas Mighty out there who go to our YouTube channel. There is a fake Ben, and Ben never comments from his name. There is a fake Ben. There are fake accounts that call themselves Midas Touch. And if you click on them, you will see they have like zero subscribers or five subscribers. And they will tell you to text them at a certain number on WhatsApp. Or we will never will tell you to text them. We will never that. tell you to text us on a WhatsApp, ever. And if, if you hear anything, you will hear it from us here on the show. Do not fall for it, because these people are YouTube scammers. They're out there. We've reported hundreds and hundreds of these accounts at this point. But unfortunately, there are people out there who are getting scammed by people pretending to be Ben, pretending to be Midas Touch. So be vigilant. Be on the lookout. We will never ask you for that. But yes, when you see Jordy responding with his little Me. cute remarks and cute quips or whatever, that's him. But like I said, we will never ask you to text yeah. a WhatsApp to use a Telegram. None oh, of that. Ben, ben, could, ben couldn't use any of those apps if he wants to. Ben is great at making YouTube videos. That is his specialty. Anything above that is, is way too technological for the big bro. Okay, off to a nice little insult there. Let's go into the, let's go into, we're talking about scammers. That's a good segue into Donald Trump and his scam and gaslighting and disinformation. So let's talk about what happened today, right? So earlier in the week, we talked about how Judge Robert McBurney was going to release three portions of the Fulton County Special Grand Jury Report. This would be the introduction, the conclusion, and Section 8. Section 8 just basically said that the special grand jury believed certain witnesses
witnesses had lied under oath and that they should be criminally prosecuted for perjury, but it didn't list the names of those individuals. For those watching right now, this is Section 8 that was released. So these were not the important parts of the report. The important parts remain under seal. They remain redacted. They remain shielded from the public view because Judge McBurney balanced the desire for public disclosure, which was important, against the due process rights and concerns for individuals who may be mentioned in the report, who the special grand jury may have recommended be indicted, including some individuals, and this was mentioned in McBurney's order, who did not appear before the special grand jury. For example, someone like Donald Trump, who's not specifically mentioned by name, but someone who did not appear before the grand jury. So Judge McBurney wanted to protect the due process rights, as did the district attorney, as did Fawny Willis. She was the one who recommended as well. Indictments are imminent. Do not release the names because what could happen is that once we secure a conviction, somebody could go back and say, my due process rights were violated because the name was released before the indictment came out. That prejudiced and tainted these whole proceedings, overturned my conviction. As much as we all would like to see those names right now, I think we all don't want the procedure to have any appearances of taint that could then make this overturned at a later time. We all want the process and procedure to proceed according to the way it's supposed to without any kind of distractions and without people later saying they're going to try to overturn the convictions. So that those three portions were released today. So I guess if you want to say, was there any new intriguing data that came in here? Well, we know that this uh, panel, the special grand jury, which was comprised of 26 individuals, three of those were alternates, all unanimously held that there was no fraud capable of overturning the results of the 2020 election. That's a specific finding that was released publicly today, and it was found unanimously. So all 23 or all 26 looked at it and said the following. The grand jury heard extensive testimony on the subject of alleged election fraud from poll workers, investigators, technical experts, and state of Georgia employees and officials, as well as from persons still claiming that such fraud took place. It's probably referring to Giuliani. We find by a unanimous vote that no widespread fraud took place in the Georgia 2020 presidential election that could result in overturning that election. So that was a finding made by the special grand jury, which basically calls Donald Trump a liar. Can we all agree objectively that that is what this special grand jury, you know, ruled? So before then turning to what Donald Trump wrote, or what Donald Trump's response to this was, Brett and Jordy, from your perspective, as this is an insult, but as lay, lay persons, what was lay your people. reaction to the, as lay people? What, what, what was your reaction other than flagellating yourself? 
Yeah, well, first off, I think we have an alternate title for this episode, which is something like self-flagellation, uh, taint, and massive dumps. Um, which would sum up no all, one will, all that no one will download that, so we will just, yeah, that'll be that, our that, that, won't, that won't be a that won't be a popular uh, title. Okay, I see. But no, I mean, you know, today I wasn't super shocked by anything we saw because Judge McBurney basically laid out exactly what we were going to see today. None of it was actually a surprise. And even that conclusion that they came to that, okay, so now we're finding out that we, we, we're conclusive on this. We're 100% sure there was no fraud in the 2020 election in Georgia. Same time, I'm like, great, great to see that on paper. On the other hand, I'm also like, well, duh. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. We, we freaking knew that already. Like, we all knew that. I'm glad you, you figured that out. But this is still important in the fact-finding process and in the eventual indictments. And so we have now, they, they heard, I believe it was like 75 witnesses. 75 people came in there. And you had people like John Eastman, Lindsey Graham, Rudy Giuliani, Mike Flynn, and others testifying in this case. And we also learned that big piece of information, which once again, we had learned days prior from Judge McBurney, that there is evidence that there were witnesses who, at least one, maybe more, who likely perjured themselves. So that right there is a big deal. We truthfully, we just don't know what's in the rest. We don't know what the rest of the testimony is, but that's a big deal right there. But in terms of learning a lot from this specific, these small portions that were released, I don't think we've learned all that much today. I think we basically learned it all when Judge McBurney laid out the grounds for releasing portions, and today was just confirmation of exactly what he told us was coming. Absolutely. It was sort of a no-duh kind of moment there where we all knew this. I think it's fantastic for the historical context of this because, you know, we're living through this right now, but I want to make sure my grandkids know. I want to make sure they, they, they truly understand, you know, and their grandkids understand just how crazy of a time this was. So to have it formally now through the courts, that they're basically calling him a fraudster there. I, I really appreciate it. And can we just also just appreciate the name McBurney? You guys feel the McBurn? I like that. Let's make that a fact. Uh, and there's weekend at McBurney's. And they're not really, I mean, they're saying that there are some witnesses who committed perjury. We don't know who those witnesses are, but I guess to, to the point of your legal analysis, I'll rehabilitate it slightly that they were calling some individuals, <laughs> they were calling some individuals fraudsters there, although we don't know the, the individuals' names. Um, I do want to mention, though, that what we do know in the other pages that we don't have yet, this was an eight-page report, was that there were recommendations on indictments. And how do we know that? Because on page one of the report, though, it also says, following is the final report on the special purpose grand jury, we set forth for the court our recommendations on indictments and relevant statutes, including the votes by the grand jurors. This includes the votes respective to each topic indicated. The total number of grand jurors who placed a vote on each topic has been indicated on each section. Um, and so there are recommendations for indictments. And we do know as well that to be the case, because if there weren't, those sections would be released publicly. It's yeah. to protect the due process. So all of that shows... Iro ironically, to protect people, potentially like Donald Trump. And we should just be very clear that in terms of this, 
Donald Trump was not named, and that's for a reason, as been explained. And it's important that we don't bend the truth also. And like, like I saw so many people today take that comment that yeah. there are indictments that are, you know, recommended by the report, and then start tweeting out or making memes about Georgia Fulton, the Fulton County DA just recommended indictments for Trump. No, she didn't. And that, the special grand jury, that didn't happen. I don't know what, what that serves. I don't know what it helps. I'm going to be respectful right now, like uh, President Biden at the State of the Union and not name names. But I saw plenty of accounts out there trying to hype news that isn't fake, but there is good news in here. So it's like, why even bother? Why stretch the truth when there is good news? I By the way, there could be in the yeah. pages. There, there likely is. If you want to follow the data, you can say that it indicates that there could be a possible recommendation for an indictment of Donald Trump. Remember, the special grand jury does not have the power to indict. They have the power to recommend indictments to another grand jury that would actually have the power to indict. So there could probably be in here a recommendation to indict Donald Trump, including others, but we don't know that to be the case. But we do know that the names of Trump and others, to the extent they're listed in here, the due process concerns to protect their identities at this phase is the reason that we don't know to protect the due process rights. And Judge McBurney, as Ben said, just to reiterate the point, said that this is, quote, especially true for people who didn't even have the chance to appear before the grand jury. So you could, one can surmise that, oh, they got all of these people to appear before the grand jury. High-level people, there was one noticeable absence who did not appear before the grand jury. One Donald George Santos Trump. Who, <laughs> called that. Well, it's a callback right there. And, it's a callback, so, but the J and the G, I lost. I lost track of that joke. Just if I'm being well, the, the joke is, I think Donald J. I think Trump once said, or it's been a, an ongoing joke that the J, Donald J. Trump, and the J stands for genius. Is uh, something that. Wow. Oh, wow, that's that's a real callback. Wow. Okay. Because if you saw my <laughs> face, and my face as well, Ben, and my face as well, like the J and that's the G. Why, I don't understand it. I don't the people. Think, yeah. are, the, the commenters, they know. They know. Listen, this is a my friend. They're up on it. You know, and I was reading the Washington Post article about this, and I immediately sent this portion to the brothers when I read it because I found this. It was. I said, just show up. You just read it. I know. I just read articles. I know. I read it. But this Washington Post article, it was talking about the, the release of the Fulton County Special Grand Jury report. And it stated, last month, Trump's Georgia-based legal team implied in a statement that there had been no formal contact between the former president and his legal team and Fulton County prosecutors. We have never been a part of this process, the attorney said. Now, this is the part that I found a little interesting, just kind of buried in there. But they did not respond when asked whether Trump had been given notice that he is a target of the investigation. I found that very fascinating because I feel like they would brush that off right away if it was absolutely not happening. So I, I think it's interesting, and I think Washington Post, I think they included that aspect in there on purpose. And I think it was just an interesting nugget that I think 
if you were just reading that quickly or skimming it, you may not have picked up on, but I found that to be a unique little piece of information. So here's the thing. Donald Trump's response on his social media platform um, with the ridiculous avatar face where he desecrates the American flag. This is the one where he goes, thank you to the special grand jury in the great state of Georgia for your patriotism and courage. Total exoneration. The USA is very proud of you. Mm-hmm. You can't get more disinfo, gaslighting, weird than that. It's the exact opposite. And here's the thing, to the point that you made. The names of those who the special grand jury recommended be criminally indicted was to protect the due process rights of people, potentially like Donald Trump. People who want to destroy the United States Constitution, but who then use and abuse the due process protections they are afforded in our Constitution to then spread disinformation. Let me tell you the tactic here, though, that Donald Trump wants to do. What he wants to do is basically uh, try to get Fawny Willis or the judge or someone to basically come out. He's trying to bait someone because he Trump wants to play the victim, right? So he wants some leak to come out. Maybe it's from one of the members of the special grand jury, but he wants someone to basically say that's not true. He's in the report, right? That's what he's actually trying to manufacture so then that he can then go, my due process rights were violated. I can't be convicted. Overturn it. So that is the setup. I want to be clear. Part of it is spreading disinformation. Part of it is that. The other part of it is a tactical move. And you have to really get into the mind of somebody like that. With my experience as a civil litigator, as someone who's dealt with those types of personalities before, I know what he's trying to do right there. He wants to bait a statement to then invoke the due process protections that protected likely his name from being released to then claim he's being treated unfair. That's it's a really there's something there in your room, Brett. I see you like you're like you're, you're, like, you're looking, there's, you're smiling. Is there like a party going on? What's going on there? What's going there, on was there, someone wand- there was someone wandering around my yard. And so I should what the heck was happening. Hmm. Um, Did you solve that? Yeah. Right, you solve the yeah. Feels like something think, you should figure out. I think I think I, I think I got it under control. Can um, I tell you what the J in Donald J. Trump stands for? Actually, it stands for Jagoff is what it stands for. Oh, bring about that Pittsburgh swag there. Yeah, you got it. Got Got gotta love it. I you know, I think that you know, I think that's a really unique, interesting and well informed perspective by you, Ben. Um, because well, you know, one of the things I was thinking of also is he wants to kind of muddy the waters and say, Look, they exonerated me and then if there are charges, he gets to go, You can't reverse course, how dare you try to reverse course. But it's also just the tactic that he's done like with everything. Like 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 you said, he takes advantage of the way that systems work. He takes advantage of flaws in institutions and even the way institutions are designed to protect people and to protect guilty people, innocent people, you name it. He pinpoints those points, those pressure points, and he pushes as hard as he can in them. So in this case, he knows that they cannot release the names, that they've decided that for due process reasons. So he's using that to claim total exoneration. 
And we've seen this time and time again from Trump on nearly every issue. I mean, we've seen it both from him and we've seen it from his henchmen, like people like former Attorney General Bill Barr, who really took on this role for himself with the Mueller report and released a report claiming that, misrepresenting the entire report, claiming that Trump was exonerated. Trump claimed he was exonerated. They did this big PR push. And guess what? The report actually never said that whatsoever. But at that time, he was able to set the stage publicly, which a lot of news networks shamefully ran with, and of course the Trump cult ran with. And then by the time the actual Mueller report was released, people were like, oh no, they kind of found some serious, serious issues here that were at play. But Trump had already set the stage at that point. So you have now, you have Trump trying to do the same thing, kind of being his own henchman, his own bill bar trying to spread this disinfo, and it's just so, it's so pathetic, the lies are so egregious. I mean, like I said before, this is just as bad or worse than anything George Santos has said. I mean, this is some real brazen, uh, just atrocious lying, and anybody who goes along with this just feel ashamed, just absolutely ashamed of themselves. I mean, give me sure, a sure. ben, ben, let me talk more about that tactic that you so artfully detailed right there. I, I, think this, I think this tactic that Trump is doing would have worked for him, say, in 2016 or 2018 or even 2019. But just like the Republican Party, how their playbook is just so overplayed. Everyone knows what they're going to go through. Everyone knows their next move. I think that's the same thing directly with Donald Trump and how he reacts to these situations. Right now, everybody knows he's going to go to his true social platform and put out some ridiculous, crazy rant. doesn't make it any better. But at least we know how to deal with the toddler-in-chief or the former toddler-in-chief. I'll say this. We do. The, the we being the pro-democracy community, the Midas mighty. But do you think if you turned on, I won't name drop right now, large media networks, do you think they're saying what we just said? Do you think they're showing Trump's post? Absolutely or do not. you, or, or do you, do you think that they're giving this context? I'm sorry, I just, I, I don't think that. So it's, we are the change, right? And I don't mean we like us three. I mean. We, the pro-democracy community, yes. you watching this, we are the ways, to Jordy, to your point, to say, you, you're not fooling us anymore. We're, we're not being gaslit here. Now, when we talk about gaslighting in a little bit with former Vice President Pence and his statements, this is so unprecedented. I would never want a separation of powers. I, you know what? I see Pence now. I think he's doing, I, I think you do a better Pence than Pence even. Or he's trying to imitate your impression of himself. I'm going to do some... Everybody, I'm going to... I'm taking out... I'm self-flagellating. Let's go. Let's go. I'm about to take out a double whip, and I'm about to flagellate like crazy. But I want to show you this, Don. I want to show you this other part that Donald Trump wrote that was part of the statement. He goes, the long-awaited important sections of the Georgia report, which do not even mention President Trump's names, have nothing to do with the president because President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong. The president participated in two perfect phone calls regarding election integrity in Georgia, which he is entitled to do. In fact, as president, it was President Trump's constitutional duty to ensure election safety, security, and integrity between the two calls. There were many officials and attorneys on the line, including the Secretary of State of Georgia, and no one objected, even slightly protested or hung up. President Trump will always keep fighting for true and honest elections in America. First off, you're not the president. Okay, you're not President Trump. You are the former guy who was a freaking fascist traitor who almost completely destroyed our country 
But while you were there, during that time period, you humiliated our nation and will forever be a, a total disgrace. Yes, Charles, I do that to my like No, you're doing great. You're doing fabulous. Yeah. But what, what's with that sign-off there? It is the bar for a good call that nobody hung up on you during the call. And also, because <laughs> he had said that, I guarantee they probably hung up on him during the call. Like, well, we, ha- we, we heard the call. So we heard the call. But you get a call from a, a president at the time who's extorting you and basically yes. saying, find me the 11,800 votes, Brad. Brad or I'm gonna, bad things are going to happen to you. You know, Brad on the call is basically like WTF, right? Raffensperger's like, um, what are you talking about? Like, there is no election fraud. We, 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 somebody found it. Effed up enough that they decided to take the call. Report But to clarify, that that's kind of what I mean. Like, who knows? Like, if there are other calls that could have potentially happened that weren't, you know, reported. Oh, uh, sure. There could be. What is point, though, Jordy? You think you're, you're, but the point that I think it's like, okay, so the only way your call in your mind would be unlawful is if they hung up on you. <laughs> because you know, all he does is hang up the phone on people. Like, he's a maniac. Yeah. He doesn't, again, there's no depths to his depravity. And so he's like, they didn't hang up on me, so they must have liked it. You, you wanted that because you didn't hang up. <laughs> you know, and, and, and then he goes, the long-awaited important section. Like, again, every statement, everything is a lie. These were not the important sections, you know. So it's just a constant stream of lies. Kim Jong-un, Putin-esque, but... You have to give the context that we gave, though, here, for you to understand that. Brett, I know you got a point. I'm ready for my Pence imitations. So what's what's what, what you got? Oh, it's not a big point. It's just like we, it, it's become so normalized that we gloss over the fact that he refers to himself in third person and everything. <laughs> President Trump, Trump did this. Trump. It's a weird, like, imagine if I went around all day being like, and Brett Micella says, I think you'd be like, dude, that's a little weird. Let's reel it in a little bit. Let's reel it back. We're getting a little as, as I said on, as I said with Cohen on our new podcast, Political Beatdown, by the way, everybody subscribe to the Political Beatdown search wherever you get it with audio type Cohen. I said, look, what we have to stop doing is gaslighting ourselves mm-hmm. that this is not weird. Like, yes. we, like yes. we can't, like, when, when you see what we're about to talk about with Pence, we have to say, look, that's traitorous. That's despicable. But we also have to, honestly, we have to say it. Like, these MAGA Republicans are weird. They are weirdos. They are strange people. They are not normal. And, and, and it is, it is, they are bizarre people. And, and they are criminals, too. They are fascists. There's all of that. But we have to also be like, these are bad people. These are weirdos. They do weird stuff. They, they're like George Sanders. They, they do despicable stuff. And you're going to see right now with my impression that I'm about to do a former Vice President Pence, how he plans to say that because he is a... Uh, well, okay, first let's do this quick ad break for Jordy, then you'll see my former Vice President Pence impression. Play, play, play this. I'll be right back in a moment. Our next partner is AG1 by Athletic Greens. Now, I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, boosted energy, immune system support, and I hated taking pills and vitamins and wanted a supplement that actually tastes great. I take AG1 in the morning before working out, and it makes me feel incredible and just ready to take on my day. When I take AG1, I know I'm doing something good for my body, like giving my body the nutrition that it craves and covering my nutritional basis. 
I've tried a ton of different supplements out there, but this is different and the ingredients are super high quality. I got started with AG1 because I used to take all these different pills and gummies and frankly what I was taking was expensive and I didn't even know if it was good for me. But with AG1 by Athletic Greens, I know that what I'm consuming has the best ingredients and also tastes delicious. AG1 makes it easier for you to take the highest quality supplements, period. When I started my AG1 journey, very quickly I noticed that it helps me with, you know, improved overall digestion, my energy levels were up, and just overall I was feeling great. It's just one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day, and it's a seamless and easy daily habit to maintain. The Midas Mighty asks me all the time, Jordy, how do you have so much energy to do these ad reads? Well, if I could only pick one thing, it's HE1 by Athletic Greens. Just one daily serving covers my day's nutritional basis and supports my long-term gut health with 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients. I can't think of another daily routine that pays off as well as AG1, which is why I trust the product so much. If you're looking for a simpler and cost-effective supplement routine, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Midas. That's athleticgreens.com slash Midas. Check it out. And now, back to the video. So you see, I was about to get into it. I know, I know. Brett Micellis approves of that ad. Brett Micellis approves. Approves. Mike Pence, what do you have to say? So you see, I am first and foremost... A Christian. Second, I'm a conservative. And third, I'm a Republican. So, no matter what you do to me, you want to kill me, you want to behead me, you want to behead my family, once once I know you are a Republican, I'm going to campaign for you. Just, just say you're a Republican. My Christian faith is such, is such that I'm going to have to support that because there are bigger things. The stakes couldn't be higher. You know, I mean, he says things. He says things like that. You know, and then and then today, you know, when you know he's talking about you know objecting to how he's going to fight, how he's going to going to have to fight this thing. Okay? Because, <laughs> what do you do with your lips? The lips, are, the lips make the impression. Because this is truly an <laughs> unprecedented situation that in our democracy, we would have somebody get subpoenaed to have to testify about an insurrection. A former vice president who was the target of an assassination attempt. You, you do realize how important the separation of powers so, so let's do this. For, 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 th thank you. So, so first, let's play. Let's play former Vice President Pence today, though. When he's asked by a reporter, by the way, I like that the reporter kept on asking the question. Okay, basically, they have this whole BS thing about separation of powers. You claim the speech and debate clause, which protects senators and Congress members from having to testify about legitimate legislative activity that they say on the House floor and natural extensions of the House floor. So because you claim that in your ceremonial role as the president of the Senate that you are basically a senator right now, what 
So this is what he said today to the reporter, where the reporter says, so, okay, then why don't you just voluntarily show up? Like, you've written books about this. Like, why not just do it under a watch that my solace of the notes? <laughs> is, is this the Vaughn Hilliard one, or is this the other one? The one from today, the one where he goes, uh, yeah, Vaughn Hilliard. Your legal challenge that uh, you'd still have the opportunity to voluntarily go and testify to the Department of Justice. And when we're talking about serious allegations of potential an effort to defraud the U.S. government and overturn a presidential election, why is your testimony looks just like that uh, not compelling to the Department of Justice, but also to this country? Wait for the list. Well, I think I think uh, the issue here is whether or not a vice president who served as president of the Senate should be subject to a subpoena to appear in court. But would you voluntarily? The Justice Department has insisted. The Justice Department has insisted on that. And I'm reserving that right in the event this were a matter that would go to trial. And uh, we just simply made it clear to them we think it is not only unprecedented, but it's unconstitutional. And so we'll. Uh, um, would you be open we'll, to volunteer? But I will tell you, look, I've, as I've said, I've written extensively about this, I've spoken extensively. Uh, it's different than Well, no, the Justice Department has uh, uh, been involved in an extensive fact finding effort. And. Uh, uh, in, in my judgment, um, this principle of separation of powers is that important. If, if we were to accede to accept a subpoena for appearance before a grand jury or a trial, I believe that would diminish the privileges enjoyed by any future vice president, be that Democrat or Republican. I, I simply will not do that. The Constitution is a... It's, it's the foundation and the bedrock of not just our government, but in so many ways. It's, it's a, it is the foundation of the republic. And, and in every sense, I think we've got to, as I did on January 6th, I stood on principle, disappointing many people on the right. I, I will stand on this principle of the separation of powers enshrined in the Constitution itself. Well, in my judgment... The principle of separation of powers is just that important. I may have disappointed many members of the right, you know, people who are conservative, who don't want to conserve our Constitution, the, the, the people who wanted to kill me. I, I, may have, I may have made them slightly perturbed that I would follow the law and not engage in the coup. They're slightly disappointed with my conduct. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to them. The foundational principle here, embedded in the Constitution, is such that, what precedent would this? Be? How about the precedent where someone tries to overthrow our democracy, that you testify so that our democracy can be preserved, that the Constitution uh, can continue to exist here? I just got to show you. Here's the other clip where he does this routine where they're like, they ask him, they ask him like when he's going to sell his book. They're like, so. Why are you supporting people who, like, wanted to kill you? Like, they wanted to kill you. And then he does the, I'm a Christian, I'm a uh, conservative, and third, I am a Republican. It's like, okay, he didn't say you're an American, because your behavior is anti-American. You're focused. I'm about the 2022 election, and I think that your analysis uh, is one that is, is generally accurate, that the candidates who were hung up on the election lies of 2020, uh, 2020 um, 
did not fare as well in 2022 as the ones who stepped forward and, and, and talked about the future. I was, and I know you know look at this guy in a bad way what those election lies mean in terms of crowds being looking at. I was surprised to see you campaigning for John Baldick in New Hampshire and Blake Masters in Arizona, who were two people who lied about the election, who defeated, one could say, one could argue, better candidates in the Republican primaries, uh, who were future leading candidates. Um, why did you Why did you endorse them? Why did you support them? Why did you campaign for them? Well, you know, I've often said I'm a Christian, a conservative, and a Republican in that order. But I'm a Republican. And once Republican primary voters have chosen their nominees, I went out and traveled to 35 states over the last year and a half to see if we could elect a Republican majority in the House and Senate, elect Republican governors all across the country. It didn't mean, as it hasn't meant in the past, that I agree with every statement or every position of candidates that I'm supporting in the Republican Party have taken, uh, but, uh, but I was pleased to do it. And, uh, these, these, they're idiots. Like, that, like, we need to look at that and not just say that's wrong, which right. it is. We also need to be like, what's that? Like, that is weird. Like, like you are a weird man, Pence. Like, get away from anything that has anything to do with me, my family, yeah. and my community, because y'all are a bunch of lunatics. Get the hell away from my family, please, you sickos. Sickos! He's another actor. You could see how rehearsed his lines are, uh, how rehearsed his so movements true. are with his pointing and his looks and his stares. Like, it's all so artificial. I'll tell you, Mike Pence, something that maybe Mother is, is too afraid to tell you. You will never be president. You will never, never be president, and you are not a hero. Stop trying to position yourself as some sort of hero. You did the bare minimum. You did your ministerial duty on that day. Nothing more, nothing less. And I can guarantee, had it been easier for Mike Pence to do the wrong thing in this case, he would have chosen to do the wrong thing. I think if he saw a pathway to actually keep Donald Trump in office, he would have kept Donald Trump in office. Mike Pence is no hero here. And, oh, this is unprecedented. Uh, yeah, it's unprecedented for a president of the United States to try to orchestrate a coup against the United States to overthrow the government. That is what is unprecedented. And the nerve of this guy to try to use the Constitution, to try to act like he is being faithful to the Constitution by not helping put away somebody who was involved, who orchestrated a coup against the United States, that's what they always do too. They use something. They use American iconography. They use American symbolism. They use yep. the Constitution, the founders, whatever it is. They use it all, and they weaponize it for things that are the most anti-American things possible. And that is such a disgrace. And Pence, of course, has been trying to have her every which way, at every stage of the game. He gave the January 6th committee a hard time, refused to testify. And at that time, he was firmly in the executive branch. At that point, it was executive privilege, executive privilege. Now the DOJ comes in up, and he knows damn well, because it's been proven time and time and again in court, that those executive privilege arguments are not going to hold water. They're not going to hold up one bit. So he switches. He goes, actually, I'm part of the Senate. Actually, speech and debate clause, speech and debate clause. First of all, even if you narrow down on the speech and debate clause, 
I got it. it. It's an interesting argument to make. Like legally, it's never been it's made a, before. It's an interesting argument to put forward. I will give him that. He found an interesting argument. But the speech of debate clause pretty specifically refers to senators and representatives. And even if you get past that, it also notes exceptions to it, which may not be as easy uh, from the uh, executive privilege exceptions, the crime fraud exception. But it does note exceptions for they list treason, felony, breach of the peace. And you could kind of argue that this is kind of involving all three of those things, and if not all three, at least one or two of them. And so I don't see how he has any leg to stand on here. Here's the thing, right? Just, 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 I'll, I'll toss it to Jordy in a second. Just so that the doctrine, there was a case called U.S. v. Gravel, a former senator, uh, talking about the extension of the speech and debate clause. It also does apply to legislative aides and people who work for members of Congress and members of the Senate, but what Gravel, with the Gravel case in the United States Supreme Court says it has to be legitimate legislative activity. And so you may remember our analysis that we did about Lindsey Graham, who tried to use the speech and debate clause not to appear before the Fulton County grand jury. You see how the episode kind of comes full circle. And there he was allowed to be questioned on subjects that were not legitimate legislative activity. So statements that were made to the press. And so, for example, here, if I'm Jack Smith, I'm saying, look, I'm going to question Pence on things he wrote in the book. I think Jack Smith's team smarter than me, and they know that. But in case they don't, that's one of that's that's one of the exceptions in your belt. Statements made to the press. So I'd say we're just going to question you on statements made in the book. Other things like crimes and criminality and, and, and campaigning. So I would just say, look, you may have, truthfully, you may have an argument, Pence, even though you shouldn't that on January 6th itself, for the time you were presiding in your ceremonial role, that that may be covered. But everything else regarding election interference should not be covered. That's probably, if I was on Jack Smith's team, one of the arguments I would make, even if you found it applies, it applies to this narrow piece of time when he's acting in that capacity. But otherwise, it doesn't. And then in any event, I would then argue that the statements to the press that he's made, and he admits that he made, is not covered at all by the speech and debate clause per the Gravel case. You, ben, that was awesome, man. So a few things, a couple things here. Uh, going to be way less educational for our audience than Ben's beautiful breakdown right there. Uh, do you guys remember Fembots from Austin Powers? So Mike Pence is like a, a fascist robot. The man's moves are so mechanical and bizarre. And I'm talking about specifically here, well, both clips were quite weird, truly. But the Tapper clip specifically, I hope that our, our audio audience can actually go to the YouTube and, and watch that clip live. Because to Brett's point, he's an actor trying to hit his marks, but he's like a second delayed on everything from his finger points to his head tilts. You just know he rehearsed those lines over and over again in the mirror rather than just, you know, just being honest with the American people. And that's ultimately where all of this comes down to is just the lack of honesty. It, it's a quality and trait that just does not exist in these MAGA Republicans because all they want to do is destroy. They don't care about the country. In both of those clips, Mike Pence plugged his book twice. Like, that is, that, that's awful. That, that should make every American pissed off. 
And, that, and that's what we always talk about, too. Like, all they do, they, they don't really want to lead at all. They want to be podcasters. They want to sell books. They want to do all that other stuff. Because they're like, they're like a bunch of failed actors and actresses, right? Like, they, they, they all have that Kimberly Guilfoyle, like, you know, desperately needing attention, you know, look at me, look at me, you know, watch me dance on the stage, you know, just some, like, weird stuff. Again, that's why it's like, I don't want to be guest. Like, this is weird. Don't don't treat that media as normal, like, discourse. Like, we're not going to be doing that here. Okay, so just subpoena, subpoena, subpoenas. Let's talk about um, special counsel Jack Smith subpoenaing Mark Meadows. We learned that a subpoena was issued back in January for Meadows. Again, we don't have much more information there. There's been some speculation. Has Meadows been cooperating or not? I think we will know soon based on Meadows' posture in response to the subpoena. Sometimes a subpoena like this will be used as cover for people who are cooperating. Let's not forget that Meadows turned over back in 2021 about 2,000-plus text messages to the January 6th committee. He then stopped cooperating. He then filed a lawsuit against the January 6th committee. He lost that lawsuit but was able to basically run out the clock. He doesn't have a speech and debate clause objection that he can make. He can try to assert and claim that Donald Trump's asserting the executive privilege. We know that before the criminal grand jury in Washington, D.C., federal judge Beryl Howell, who presides over all the criminal grand juries. She has consistently denied Donald Trump's executive privilege objections, forcing people like Pat Cipollone and Patrick Silvin and Patrick Philbin and Mark Short and Greg Jacob, all these top Trump officials, defense officials, to testify twice before the criminal grand jury because those objections were raised the first time. We know Stephen Miller later testified, and there was no executive privilege, as far as we know, challenge there. We do know, though, there are eight current actions taking place, though, before Judge Beryl Howell um, that Jack Smith is fighting. You know, the Trump world is putting up all of everything that you can imagine they are fighting. And to some extent, um, one of the problems, you know, is, is that someone who we, we talked about this earlier in the show, someone who wants to abuse the Constitution, abuse the privileges, abuse our country, a former president has a toolkit that no other American has, that they can claim all of these privileges and try to delay, 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 and delay. And that's what Donald Trump's doing. That's what these MAGA Republican fascists are doing. They are trying to rip to shreds our system from within because their privilege to overthrow our country is no longer safe to them anymore. So that's what's taking place. And just so you know, when you go, oh, what's Jack Smith doing? Like, he's fighting all of these battles every day. And undeterred, he keeps on winning these battles but it's like, Jordy, I guess to your point with the, with the bots or whatever, or you go to a Matrix example with Agent Smith, like, you know, these MAGAs, and one of the things about fascism in general, historically, is that there's a reason you call it a death cult, right? Because these people don't have the same considerations that the rest of us have, right? The rest of us, we want to have dinner with our family and read books and go to movies and watch a ball game and have a hobby and like and like do things that bring us love and love people and feel loved, right? But not the MAGAs. What do they want to do? 
they want to go to cult rallies and just be freaking weirdos, right? And they are relentless. You know, they're okay with, they, they cheer on global pandemics because they're yeah. sickos. Literally and figuratively, that's who they are. And so it's just a relentless Agent Smith-style assault on democracy. So what do we do in response to that? We have to expose it. We have to call it out. We have to stay vigilant. And we have to, frankly, be supportive of very competent people like Jack Smith. One more point I want to raise, though, on the subpoena part of this episode, which is, and this is a funny one, and we'll see what happens, though. So the Proud Boys, in their trial, have subpoenaed Donald Trump. And there have been a number of other people in, in insurrection trials who have tried to subpoena Trump and have failed. This case is before Judge Kelly right now. There's four or five of these Proud Boys, Enrique Otario and Biggs, and a bunch of others who are being subpoenaed. But let's not forget, Tario, the leader of a terrorist organization, the Proud Boys, okay, he was invited to the White House on a special tour to meet with leaders on December 12th of 2020. Last-minute invite to an undisclosed location. Wow, I'm in awe. My dogs are in awe right now of this. We're all angry about this. How could that be? I'm, I'm with you, dogs. I'm with you. I'm angry about this. Do we, do, do we, they're pissed, my dogs. Do we have the other, do we have the other photo? Yeah, th this right here is where the, this is the residence right here. Never thought I'd be here. Hashtag Trump 2020 from the leader of a terrorist organization. Like, it'd be like Clinton inviting, inviting Timothy McVeigh to the White House before the Oklahoma City. Like, it's not an exaggeration how disgusting that is. And of course, we then know at the Willard Hotel, leave it to the magnets just to desecrate a beautiful hotel in Washington, D.C. They turned it into the hub for the insurrection, and you had people there, the Trump's inner circle, who were communicating with Proud Boys, coordinating the insurrection. So these people have a, these Proud Boys, these terrorists, below people, these terrorists, mm -hmm. have actually a real claim to subpoena Trump. He's a, like, he is kind of someone who would be needed in their case, in a way, or, or, or could be admissible evidence. And the Department of Justice used the stand back and stand by in the opening statement. And what the Proud Boys are saying, if we're criminals, which you are, if we're terrorists, which you are, he's our co-conspirator. So he should be here too. And that's the basis of them subpoenaing Donald Trump. That hasn't really been widely remembered. Would that be the most poetic justice moment of all time if the Proud Boys were the ones to take Trump down? And I think, you know, it's worth saying, I, I, I want to raise two points on this. The first, I'm going to go back to Meadows for a second. Because I think what folks also have to know about Mark Meadows and why he is so important, obviously, he was Trump's chief of staff. But Mark Meadows was at the center of all of these criminal investigations, all these federal criminal investigations. I mean, not only was Mark Meadows the hub of communication surrounding January 6th, we've all seen those text messages, and you can rewatch the January 6th coverage or, or Google it if, if you haven't. But Mark Meadows was communicating with everybody around January 6th, on January 6th, people sending a panic messages, people like Ginny Thomas sending him messages, oh, God is with you in our great, glorious 
dear leader, whatever the heck she was saying. Yeah. So not yeah. only was he at the center of that, but Meadows was also the designee by the National Archives to handle the return of the Trump documents. So he stands right in the center of the Venn diagram between the documents case and the January 6th case, which makes Meadows super important. Now, the Proud Boy. Do you have something to say about Meadows? Because I'm going to go on the Proud Boy. Real quick, isn't it fascinating that we were talking about Meadows a bunch on the show on Monday? And all this news broke. I'm not saying anything. I'm not well, saying anything. Listen, Meadows has been a very mysterious figure throughout all of this because as we've seen subpoena after subpoena, have we heard about, as we've heard about grand jury testimony? Have we seen people go on television? Have we seen people make statements? One person has remained mysteriously silent through it all, and that has been Mark Meadows. And a lot of the actions, a lot of the information that Ben brought his, his doggy out, which is so he doesn't look as enraged now at, at Matt Gaetz. You're, uh, You're soothing him. You're soothing him. Soothing him with, with democracy. Yeah, but but also a lot of the intel that we've heard that Jack Smith has seems to be information that only a person like Mark Meadows can really know when you hear about the questions that he's been asking witnesses. So there's a lot of reason, and I'm not saying this is for sure, it's, it's pure speculation, but there's a lot of reason to believe that somebody like Meadows could be cooperating, even in spite of the subpoena, which Ben said could be as covered, or he could not be. You know, it's, it's, it's pure 100% speculation. On the Proud Boys, like... It's not only Trump also. The Proud Boys are deeply embedded in the Republican Party. And I think it's not talked about how the Republican Party has so closely intertwined themselves with a domestic terrorist organization. The Miami-Dade Republican Party, their leadership is like all Proud Boys. Don't believe me? Google it. Like, there's a New York Times article that explains how all the Proud Boys run the Miami-Dade Republican Party. It's, it's pretty messed up stuff. And I'll show you some photos right now for those watching. And you have uh, photos of Enrique Cario, the head of the Proud Boys here, with Don, with a very inebriated-looking uh, Don Jr. You have him with Ted Cruz. You have him with Roger Stone. And I could have brought up dozens and dozens and dozens of photos of Enrique Cario, of other Proud Boys, with prominent Republicans. It's a scourge in the Republican Party. They embrace these domestic terrorists. And that is horrifying to me. This should be the easiest of it all. No, I'm not going to associate myself with domestic terrorist groups and their leaders. That should be an easy thing. But these Republicans don't. I'll show you another picture just to show how deep it goes. This is uh, New Victoria with Don Jr. and Kimberly Guilfoyle from November of 2019. Uh, this is a Facebook post uh, from somebody, I guess, in the Proud Boys, associated with the Proud Boys. It says, our very own... Uh, Rigoberto Tario with Kimberly Guilfoyle and Donald Trump Jr. That's a Facebook post. So just to show you how entrenched the Proud Boys are, how entrenched these domestic terrorist groups are, not only with other militia groups out there and other extremists, but the Republican Party, which has become a hub for these extremists and a place where they could take their extremism and launder it in this official capacity into the funding of the United States government, which is the ultimate scary aspect of it. Mike Pence, what do you have to say? Well, in my judgment, they may be terrorists. They, they may be. But my question is, as I consult my Christian faith, is, are they Republicans? Because they call 
themselves Republicans, then I'm going to campaign for it. I am going to say that the Constitution is made to protect these fine terrorists. Republicans. That's basically how he would respond. We have a lot to talk about on this episode, including breaking news of another MAGA Republican Congressman, Andy Ogle. This is just breaking the walk. You've got to tease it, Ben. You can't say who it is. Yeah, come on. Don't say MAGA Republican who completely lied about his history. We'll be back with exactly what he 